Today I want to talk a couple of minutes about guarding your precious faith. Guarding your precious faith. Especially today in this season, there's been such an attack against our faith. James chapter 1 verse 2. And then we'll go to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. The word of the Lord reads as follows. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Then Hebrews 11.1. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the connotation there is faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. It's a continual type of hearing. So, Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your your word, the words that you speak to us are life. Thank you, my God, for your grace. Holy Spirit, I pray that you open up the eyes of our understanding that we might truly understand what you're sharing with us today by your word. Open up the eyes of our understanding, Lord God. We'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Just wanted to greet Sister Pearl. Minister Pearl, thank you so much. Good to see you. Always a pleasure. This great woman of God, she does uh, amazing work in the city and beyond. And uh, what a testimony she has. She's a, a veteran, a, a veteran visionary in the kingdom of God. So it's good to see you today. Appreciate all that you're doing, and especially your, your work with the unborn. That's so precious. Because, you know, I was talking earlier that we've lost respect in this nation. About res- we don't respect. We don't respect each other. We don't, we don't respect any level of authority. And another thing we've lost respect of is life. We don't, we don't respect life. We, we give more honor uh, to sometimes inanimate things than we do even to life. May God have mercy on this nation and, and awaken us because there's a judgment on this nation because of that. And uh, unfortunately, if we don't see it, if we don't understand it, if we don't intercede for this nation, we're going to see manifestations of that, that judgment. Uh, and we are seeing already portions of that judgment on the land. Years ago, in the mid-'90s, I heard a prophet And he shared an ominous message. It was a gentleman, actually, that won over David Wilkerson, prophetic gentleman. And he said that God told him that the the foundations of our nation are as wormwood or rotwood. You know, when you go to places that haven't been tended to a long time, made of wood, especially the floor, you step on it and your foot goes right through the floor. There, there is a foundation that is very dangerous. You walk into that house, you could go right down to the basement. And he said the Lord showed him that the foundation of the nation is slowly corroding. And um, there's going to come a time, if, if the nation doesn't cry out, that when we would step on it, on the foundation, the things we trust in, that we just go straight down. So um, we have to be careful not to listen to the lies of the enemy, to intercede, let, yeah, let the children be um, 
released through children's uh, ministry. And it's very important that we guard our precious faith. Hallelujah. I'll tell you a couple of minutes why. But the Bible says that your faith will always be tested. Faith is the most important thing to us because everything comes by faith. To be saved, you have to have faith. To be healed, you have to have faith. To be able to do the work of the Lord, we have to do it in faith. The just shall live by faith, not by emotion, by faith. And many Christians don't understand the difference of living by faith and living by emotion. They think it's the same thing. It's not. Because today you might be happy. You know, after you hear a song, you know, that, like we heard today, that celebratory type of song, you come out happy. But you go out into the street, you get attacked by the enemy, now you're sad. You get that call, bad news, then you're sad. So God's with you here, and suddenly he's not with you over there? No. Your emotions will always go up and down. You can't live by your emotions. You have to live by the Word of God, by faith in the Word of God. And it says here that as we're tested in our faith and we continue to stand and we allow patience, the patience in knowing that God is with us, the patience in knowing that even though we go through trials, even though we go through tests, he is with us, and we're going to come out to the other side. What did David say, King David? say? He says, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And so we have to sometimes go through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't worry, it's just a shadow. You know, because already Jesus gave you the victory. But sometimes you have to go through hard places. And it says you've got to, have to go through it. You don't stay, move in, and go to a cave and paint it. Put furniture in there and say, yay, this is my house from now on. Valley of shadow. No, I don't live in the valley of shadows. I live in the presence of God. So wherever I am at, wherever I'm going through, I know that God is with me. I'll go through it, but God will give me the strength to go through it. And at the same time, as I'm going through something, my patience is being exercised, my patience muscles. What I couldn't tolerate 20 years ago, today I do it without thinking twice. And that's important for all of you because right now you're going through a struggle. Today to struggle, later on it will be easy. I started by doing five push-ups. Now I do 40. You don't believe me? <laughs> let, let, let me show you. No, no, no. No, no. No, no. No, I do 40 now. And my goal is to do like 100 a day. At least that's that goal. Then once, once I reach that one, then I'll be to do 150. Why? Because I want to. I want to be in good shape. I, I want to be like these, these, these old guys that they take their shirt, shirt off and it's ripped. I mean, they're ripped. I, I want to be able to run at 80. What happened? No, no, the guys are ripped. Six pack. I know it's a joke, but, you know, I, I just want to clarify it. I want to grow, I want to be 70 years old, and I want my chest to be bigger than my belly. No offense to anybody. That happens to every individual if you do not exercise. But the point, what the point I'm making is that when I started doing five push-ups, it was hard. Then I, I was able to work it to 10, and that was hard. And I realized after a while I would do 10 every day, and after a while I'm saying, this is easy. 
All right, let me go for 15. And I would go for 15. And that was hard. And after a while, it was easy. So in other words, as you exercise your faith, as you exercise your prayer life, as you exercise your word study life, after a while, what, what was hard for you in an earlier season becomes normal and easy in a new season. Amen. And Paul understood that as he was sharing with that group of people. He was saying, listen, you have to exercise your faith. Today you're believing for this, but tomorrow you have to believe for bigger things because in God's scheme of things, he's always growing you up. You don't stay the same year to year. You're always growing. Say to your neighbor, you're always growing. See, that's, that's God's design. See, in John chapter 15, he said, I seek fruit. And if I ever find anybody that's giving me fruit, I'm going to prune him so he could give me more fruit. See, God always wants more fruit. Say with me, more fruit. Mas fruta. The, 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 the sister Mr. A great place to say, eh, hey. Come on, where are you? Okay, okay. Because that was an eh, hey moment. Praise God. Praise God, praise God. So our patience is vital, you know, and, and God does grow us up in him. And the way he does it many times is to put you into a difficult place. Five people said amen. Most people groaned. Can it be done easily? No. Sometimes you have to go through the difficult time. Getting back to the exercise thing. When I far, first started lifting weights years ago, uh, I just lift, you know, regular, just to try to keep myself in shape. I, I started with 10 pounds with the barbells, 10 pounds. And I was hard. I would do 10 with 10 pounds. Then after a while, I realized I was able to do it easy. Then I did 20 pounds. And I realized there's a difference between calisthenic lifting and, you know, grow up the bicep lifting. So then I realized if I want to grow it up a little, I have to put a little more weight or a little more resistance against my muscle. So I did. I I did 20 pounds. Then I would do 10 pounds with a 20-pound barbells or 10 times, 10 repetitions with the dumbbells, right? Barbells is this? Yeah, okay. You would know. Look at you. You're ripped. I'm sure that you know. Still in process. But I realized after a while, I was doing 20 pounds. I was doing 20 times, 20 reps, 20 pounds. Wow, this is good. Then I went 30 pounds. And I realized after a while, I'm developing some muscles, but it was because progressively I was putting more resistance against myself. It's the same thing in the spirit realm. You'll always sense a resistance against you. But after a while, you'll notice that once you master that resistance... God will allow you to go through something of greater resistance. There's a reason and there's a design for that. He's growing you up. Many many times the enemy will come at you. He's got permission to come at you because there's something you need to go through that he himself is going to be the servant of God to train you up. Sometimes God gives the enemy permission to mess with you in a certain area. He says, okay, son, okay, daughter, I'm boasting on you. I know you could do it. Go through this process because there's a greater thing I want to do in your life. You don't have to say amen. (laughs) And faith comes by hearing. And faith is vital. So we need to continue to study God's word. It's vital. I have to. It's imperative. Everything that I receive, I receive by faith. So I have to get to God's word because biblical faith will only come when I hear God's word. 
And the problem I find is that there are many Christians today that don't study God's Word. I'm busy. I'm working. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I said, listen, if you prioritize your job over the Word of God, you're not going to be successful in your walk with God. If you put natural things in a higher priority than you do the Word of God, you are out of sync with the kingdom of God. If you put money over the word of God, you're actually putting another God over Almighty God. And God's a jealous God. He wants to be first. He has an attitude about being first. Because he gave the best he had for us. He wants first place. He doesn't want second place. Oh, well, what God would do that? Well, let me, let me, let me, go to, let me tell you this way. Let me, let me ask you this way. For those of you that have a relationship, for those of you that are married, or for those of you that want to have a relationship, would you be all right? Your guy shacking up with every girl out there and then coming back and say, well, listen, you know, uh, yeah, uh, you're my number one. Number one, I'm going to slap you down. Then I'm going to kick you out. I'm going to throw all your stuff out the window. I'm going to get you arrested. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I want to be number one in your life. Isn't that true, people? We demand number one. Why is it that when God said, I want to be number one, that's hard for us? Can't you understand that? God made you in his image, in his likeness. And we were made for relationships. And we're very jealous about our relationships. And God is a jealous God. He wants to be number one in your life. So it's important then for me to go, uh, to come into sync as to what God demands. He told Joshua, Joshua, meditate on my word, on the words I give you, on the law, my law, day and night, and you'll make your way prosperous. Contained in the very word of God is the very strength you need, the very wisdom you need to be victorious in life. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life, Jesus said. Did he not say that? They're spirit and they are life. Contained in the very word of God is the life that you need to overcome any obstacles, any circumstances, any situations. Therefore, we have to reprioritize our life. We have to get back to the word of God. Those of you that are graduating, you had to, by necessity, say no to everything else so that you could focus on your studies. So then the issue is, it's not that we don't have enough time. The issue is, is that we're giving too much time to other things that are not as high a level of priority to the Word of God. Yeah, because we won't miss La Novelita. Yeah, the, La Novelita, you know what that is? The novel, the novels, not, well, you know, the soap, soap operas in English, right. Novelita, that, that doesn't, trans, it doesn't trans, translate, transliterate. Yeah, right? Yeah, we, we, we have sacred cows. No, no, don't mess with this. I need to have that. I need to chill. I need to relax. Well, we have a problem because today's society, for whatever reason, we lost the work ethic of a previous generation. Today, our greatest endeavor is to get a place where we could relax. We work 11 months and sometimes two weeks, 11 months and two weeks, so we could go on that vacation 
and we think about that two-week vacation all year long. <laughs> and we plan for it all year long. And then we're in vacation, and it's done, two weeks. <laughs> but we, we, we're, we're a generation, or we've entered a generation that our highest level is, how can I relax? How can I, I need to chill. That's the word, I don't know if it's still used. Okay. I have to chill. I need to chill. No, we need to reprioritize our life. We need to learn how to rest in the Lord. Because you'll always have responsibility. And those of you that are studying know that. In order for you to graduate, you had to work hard. You had to dig deep. You had to do reports. Some of you had to create a thesis. I remember when I had to do that. It took time. I had to prioritize my life. I had to turn off the TV. I had to do a little off time and more study time and prep time. I had to prep sometimes one, two in the morning and get up early in the morning, you know, for my regular endeavors. Amen? And if we're going to succeed, we have to realize we have to fight against this thing called comfort. And we have to exercise spiritual disciplines that will get us to the place where we're in the Word of God every day. Well, no time. Yes, you do. Get up a little earlier and study. Half hour. Or go to sleep a little later. Or instead of watching 11 o'clock news, watch 10 o'clock news. And then take that time to study. It's only that level of dedication that's going to get us to that place of authority. We can't cast the devil out without authority. The enemy won't recognize us if we're not spiritually disciplined and if, the, if God isn't first in our life. It, you're recognizing the spirit well, whether you are or whether you're not. We might be able to fool people with our speech. We could pray the best prayers. I mean, we're, we're powerful in our prayers. But at home, are we really praying that way? Are we still standing that way? Or was it just an act? In the spirit realm, they know the difference. I got, I got one amen. amen. Well, praise God. So it's also important because in that Matthew 19, 26, it says Jesus looked at them and said, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So we know that even though the economy might be tough, even though we might be going through a situation where you're going through a difficult time, even though uh, you might not have maybe the, I don't know, the name or the experience behind you necessary to get this job or to uh, do this ministry or whatever it is that God is calling you to, to do. You're not recognized. Nobody knows you. But the scriptures say that with God, all things are possible. So if God did it for them, God could do it for you. Say to your neighbor, if God did it for me, he could do it for you. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. When I decide to trust the word of God, all of the earthly challenges are irrelevant. All of the past decisions, all of the past statistics for me are moot because God could do something for me that has never been seen before. But it just depends. Will I work with him? Will I decide to trust in him? Because most people won't. Most people will automatically 
submit to the same type of thinking as you see in the book of Numbers, where 12 spies were sent out, not to decide whether it could be done. God said, this is your land. I'm giving it to you. Moses said, go check it out. Spy it out to see how we get in, to see what's over there. All 12 come back and say, wow, everything God said is correct. Two of the guys say, yes, and we're ready to go now. God will give us that land because he said so. Ten of them said, yes, everything God said is right except for one thing. When we got there, there were giants in the land. When we got there, we saw people that they all eat humans. <laughs> also, even the, the, grand, uh, the grandmothers eat the humans? The little babies eat the humans? No, it was an exaggeration. But their, their fear saw everything as bad. And they came back and they decided better to trust their mind, to trust their fear based on what, or, or versus what God was saying. So it is possible that God could be telling you to do something that can be done because with his help you can do it, yet you could thwart it by saying, I can't because look who I'm at. Uh, look who I am. I'm a nobody. That's not unusual because you look, even Gideon, look at Gideon, great man. In, you know, he was even listed in Hebrews 11.1 1 as one of the champions of faith. But his initial perspective was, I can't do that. God told him, mighty man of valor, go and deliver this people in your strength. I can't do that. My, my clan, the clan I belong to is the weakest, and I'm the weakest in the clan. But then the angel stirred him up, gave him the word of the Lord, and he chose to believe God versus his thinking. But the ten spies chose to believe their thinking versus almighty God. And here's the danger to this. The danger to it is that after a while, when they started saying this, not only did they thwart their own destiny, because God said, I have a great inheritance for you. No, I can't have it. So they thwarted their own destiny. But as they said it, other people started hearing them, and other people started receiving what they were saying too. And they all started crying. And after a short while, over a million people got affected, infected by that thinking. Say to your neighbor, you, be careful what you say. Because you always affect other people. My God. See? So faith is vital because God can want to get something over to you, but it might not come to you if you fight against the will of God by instead of receiving his word, like Mary. What did Mary say when the angel said, you're going to have a baby? She said, let it be done unto me as you as." As you have spoken. Let it be done unto your handmaiden, this handmaiden, this servant, as you have spoken. She said, I have not known man. He says, yeah, but the Spirit of God will overshadow you. So let it be done unto me as you have spoken. Right? She received the word of God. They rejected the word of God. Now, here's the danger. After a while, they started arguing and fighting. And, and of course, Joshua and Caleb, they ripped their clothing and says, listen, don't do this. God said it, we can do that, but don't rebel against God. Wow. So refusing to believe God is a type of rebellion. Yeah. 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 And look what, look, look what happens. Then God shows up. He was always there. He was listening to every single word they said. He told Moses, Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to take care of these people right now. They've rejected my word. They've tested me these ten times. I will get rid of them, and I will raise up a nation through you. 
And Moses interceded. See, that's why the intercessors are so important. Moses interceded. He said, God, don't do this. He said, if you do this, what's the enemy going to say about you? Forgive them. You're, you're merciful. He says, okay, I've forgiven them, except for one thing. Not one of those that spoke out against me, not one of those that rejected my kindness, my love, not one of those shall see that promise. This, the sons will. But not one of them. And watch this. He goes deeper. He says, every single word that you have spoken, I'm going to make sure it comes to pass. I got no amen on that one. See, the words that you speak, God is listening to. And, and we're flippant many times with the words that come out of our mouth. We have to choose, instead of just reacting, we have to choose to, to, to speak the word of God. And if we make a mistake and we say something that's not God's will, we have to immediately ask God for forgiveness I said, no, that's, that's not what I'm going to say. Let me, let me shift that. Forgive me, Lord, and then get back in sync with Almighty God. I don't want God as an enemy, people, not me. And then he said this, for every single day that you went in there, 40 days, every single day that you went in there and came back and then rejected my word, for every day you're going to be in the wilderness one year. 40 days? 40 years. And we don't understand how powerful our words are. We don't understand how powerful our life is in relation to others. Because these 10 men caused an entire generation to walk around in circles for 40 years. An entire generation. And even Joshua and Caleb, and God said, they're going to enter. Even Joshua and Caleb were delayed in entering in because of the words of these people. Remember later on, Miriam? Miriam criticized her husband, Moses. And God put leprosy on her. He says, you got to get out of the camp for a short season until you're healed, right? Well, everybody had to wait for Miriam to come back. You see my point? This is why it's so important. We, under, we have to understand just how powerful our words are, how powerful our presence is, how powerful our witness is. Say to your neighbor, you're, very, you're vital. See? We might be helping to delay others in their walk. That's why it's so important that we get back to God's word and get into agreement with God because God wants to do some things. And many times we think, I'm waiting on God. No, he's waiting on you. No, he's waiting on you. Hallelujah. He's waiting on you. Praise God. Praise God. In Mark 9, 23. Okay, so we got this. Matthew 19, 26. All things are possible to those that believe. Say that with me. All things to those that believe. Amen. Wow. Praise God. All things are possible to those who believe. But then it says in Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, If you can believe, or if thou canst believe, you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Can, can, can we make it any more plain, plainer than that? See, when you're fully persuaded in your heart, 
when you trust God with all of your heart, according to his word, not according to my desires, according to his word. That's why it's important that I find a promise in God and then do war with that. See, I can take God's word and then apply it to my life. But I can't just say, oh, God, I want you to bless what I'm doing. No, I want to get around what God is blessing and get involved in that. Because there's a guarantee there. He might not bless everything you want, but he'll always bless his word. I'm going to say that again. He might not bless everything that you want to do, but he'll always bless around his word. We fall in line with his word. Praise God. We're in good in a good place. Because those are the sure prophecies. Another important principle is when we get into God's word and we believe in it, we act in it. Because, by the way, faith has actions. The Bible says that the demons also believe and they tremble. But they're not working God's word. When we believe God's word, we stand on God's word. We do what God is saying for us to do. We become witnesses of Almighty God. We begin to disciple others. We begin to model Christ in our communities. When we do all of that, there's another verse which blesses my heart. Rather, it's a couple of verses. It starts in Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read from verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak in parables? Because they didn't understand some of the things he was sharing. And he'd ha- he would have to explain to them. He says, he answered, he said this, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. Then he says this, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see. It's not that God didn't want them to see. It's that they were refusing to see. Have you ever preached to somebody who says, I don't believe in all that stuff? All the time. And today, you know, in government, it's getting even worse. You bring your Bible to the job, they want to fire you. There was this gentleman, he worked, um, I think as a fire, fire chief for many, many years. I saw his testimony. And he wrote a little piece uh, uh, for a book, for men's ministry, something that helps men and fathers. And the, the, I guess the governor or the person in charge of that state decided to fire him. He was a fire chief, very respected. He was a, a veteran. And they fired him. Why? Because he had written something for men. They just decided to fire him. See, so we're being attacked more and more. As it goes along, we, we see this in this nation. But people, it's because they don't see and they refuse to see. Now, I don't care about that stuff. I don't, I don't care about any of that Jesus stuff. And, and, and Jesus says, okay, right? you're choosing not to want to see, so then this is not for you. But yet there's others that say, God, open up my eyes. I want to know about your word. Ah, he has a desire. So I'm going to open up their eyes. And I'm going to give them wisdom concerning that thing that they're asking me for. Praise God. He said, it's been given to you to know, but to them it has not been given. These disciples, what did they do? They left everything to follow him. So he would take his time. He'd explain it to them. And then it says, they will have abundance. So what, what, are, you, what are you asking for? Are you asking for wisdom to preach? God will give you abundance in that. 
Are you giving, you know, do you want wisdom in, in the word of God generally? He'll give you an abundance of wisdom. If you want wisdom to teach, he'll give you wisdom on that, an abundance of it. You'll have more, right? It, it, your ministry, what are you? What are you called to do? He will give you abundance in that because he sees your heart is open to it. But if you say, nah, we don't believe in that stuff. And that's why in many churches, some, you, you won't ever see the prophetic flow because they, they reject that aspect of it. So that they won't have it. But to those that do flow, you will see that and you'll see it in abundance. You, you see in some churches that there's an abundance of something? It's because this is what they, they're hungry for. That's what they pray for. See, so the principle is that if you're open to God, and if you ask God, he'll give you and he'll give it to you in abundance. But if you're not interested, even that what you have, that'll be taken away. The enemy will come in and play with your head. He'll take the wisdom of God away from you. So we know that in the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is Jesus said the, 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 the farmer or the sower went to sow. And there were various fields he went to sow in, various grounds. And when he explains it to the disciples, he says to the one that, that we, we sowed and immediately the birds came and took it away, he says, what that is, is that if a person hears my word but doesn't understand what he's hearing, the enemy will come and take it away. See, this is why when you're hearing about a truth of God, when you're studying the word, ask God to give you understanding on it. Because if you understand it, the enemy can't come and take it away from you. There are people who come to church, sit right next to you, and you're getting it. You go, wow, oh man, what a word. Wow, this is, yeah, I'm going to apply that to my life. Wow, exciting service. They'll come out the same, yeah, same old, same old. That preacher talked too long. I'm serious. That preacher talked too long. They didn't get it. And as soon as they get out, the enemy takes away the word that could have been such a benefit to their life. See, there's a corresponding partnership. I have to be hungry for his word. When I'm hungry for his word, he says, that's the field I want to sow into. That's the one where I'll give him more. I'll give him abundance. Even in our giving. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, when a person is generous and, and, and has a giving nature, God says, that person, I will give them more seed and I will multiply the fruits of their righteousness so they could continue to be generous. And then many thanksgiving to God come up because of your giving. Yet other people are saying, I never have enough. Well, you never have enough because you don't choose to have revelation in that area. You don't choose to ask God to give you wisdom concerning that. It's important. All these areas are important. What are you hungry for? Or if, eh. Or like they say in, the, in Hollywood, meh. Still don't know what that is. See, for, for me, it's meh. Yeah, in my house, that's the way. Yeah, if my, my mom didn't care about something. She goes, eh. eh. Are we like that? With God's word. God sees that. So the Old Testament Israel, he says, I've heard everything you said, and according to your word, it's going to be so. So if God were to say to you, according to your word, so be it. Would you be rejoicing right now? I'm just asking. This is a question. Maybe you should be rejoicing because you're praying God's word. You're praying God's will, his kingdom come, his will be done. Amen? If you have a choice to react in the flesh, you don't. You, you respond, by, responding, uh, by, by saying God's word. Very important, very vital. 
Hallelujah. Verse 15 in that same chapter, or 14, it says, In them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing, you'll hear, you shall not understand. And seeing, you will see, and you will not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, and the ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. My God, today I'm hearing young men and women in college speak such horrible things and challenging God's word. And I look, I says, you are so ignorant. You don't understand the love of God. But even more than that, you don't understand the power of your own words. You're setting up your own future. And it's not a better future. And my heart grieves for this generation of youth that have embraced this lie. We have to intercede for them, and we have to preach to as many as we can so that their eyes would be open and they would receive God's word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 on. It says, For I say, through the grace that's given to me, the apostle said, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So God gives us all a measure of faith. It's a gift, but it's also a fruit. It's a gift. What do you do with a gift? When somebody gives you a gift, what do you do? You receive the gift. Right? How do you handle fruit? Let me, let me ask it this way. Where do you get the fruit? If you plant it, how fast can you eat the fruit? You have to be patient. So faith is both a gift, a certain portion, but that faith can grow. Didn't Jesus say, ye of no faith? Another occasion he says, ye of little faith. On another occasion he tells one lady, ye of great faith. See, faith can grow. But then it says there, be sober. Don't think more higher than you ought to think. One of the great sins of today, actually, of all generations. One of the great sins are the sin of pride. You see pride inculcated in Hollywood. Inculcated in the sports arena. Prideful, the strength of youth. But the truth of the matter is, pride will bring you down. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Then it says this, but think soberly as God has dealt each man a measure of faith. Then on and on, it, uh, when you read the verse, it also says God has given everybody a gift. So in other words, it says don't think more of yourself, but think soberly of yourself. In other words, I'm not supposed to think less of myself. I'm to be thinking soberly in terms of what God called me to do. It's not for me humility to say I'm a, a, a minister of the gospel, that I'm a teacher. Oh, who do you think you are? No, no, I know who I am. But I'm not going to come in and say, hey, I'm, I'm the best gift, best gift to society. I'm the man. Nobody better than me. Right? I'm not going to say that because it's not true. Now, you, you see that right now operating in, in government. Everybody's posturing and, you know, everybody's the best here, the best there. Think soberly of yourself. My gift is valid. My gift is important. My gift is needed. But 
But I'm not going to get into this attitude, I, I think I'm better than anybody. I'm not better than you. You need me, but I also need you. We need each other. And then it says, God has given every man a, uh, the gift of faith. So it's our job to grow the faith. Say to your neighbor, it's your job to grow the faith. See, your precious faith has to grow. Because didn't Jesus say that everything is possible to him that? Say it again. Everything is possible to him that? So isn't my faith then a priority? Your faith's a priority. Anything you're going to get in the kingdom of God, any success you're going to have in life, any forward advancement you're going to be able to accomplish, you have to engage it in faith. I'm going to open up a business. You're going to need faith. You don't know if that thing's going to work or not. Anybody right now that has a successful business, a business at one point took a chance. Most people that work in a job, don't have to think about one iota of what a businessman or businesswoman has to deal with. You just go do your job. At the end of the week, give me my check. Oh, yeah, and if you don't get a check, you get an attitude, right? Yeah, yeah, I want my check. And right now there's a move, and again, I'm not trying to criticize moves. We, we want to get paid $15 an hour. We want, to pay the, we want to get paid $18. We demand a better wage. So all well and good. But if you don't have businessmen opening up businesses, where are you going to get your money from? I'm not criticizing the move per se. I mean, everybody needs to fight for what they can. But if there is none, if I have a, a gallon of milk and the milk is empty, I demand more milk. There's nothing there. And many businesses are small businesses. Not everybody is, you know, a, a highfalutin millionaire. Oh, yeah, you want $15? No problem. I'll take it out of my purse. I'll give you more. Some businesses are legitimately struggling. So if you put that across the board, many businesses by nature will have to close down. And then where are you going to get your $15? Just listen, it's a valid point. That's why it's good to start wherever you're going to go. Start. But don't stay there. Study. Get better. Go back to school. While you're working, you're not getting the, the, the wage you desire, but prepare yourself. Look around. Ask God to open up the eyes of your understanding. I want to make $25 an hour. Well, what are the jobs that are paying $25 an hour? Become that. I want to get paid $50 an hour. Well, then become that. Years ago, I decided to be a proctor. I mean, I'm retired now, so now I have to... Figure something else out. <laughs> but, you know, the, what I was going for pays really nice. Pays 75 bucks an hour. So when I would proctor, right, or I would test guys to be uh, certified in the city, 75 bucks an hour. How many want to get paid $75 an hour? <laughs> the rest of you that didn't raise your hand, the altar's <laughs> open right now. <laughs> <laughs> 75 bucks an hour yes sir see but I had to look at that and I had to say okay so what do I need I had to study and, and get specific certifications and to get the certifications I had to go back to school for two years 
See, so when I went back, I didn't have to beg anybody. See, that's the difference. When you go for a job, you go to the interview. When you're first starting out, it's almost like, I'll do anything. Because you're just starting out. It's legitimate. I remember when I first started, whatever, anytime, whatever. You want mopping? I'll mop it. Clean the toilets? No problem. But years later, when I was going to interviews, I was saying, this is how much money I want. This is how many weeks vacation I want. And they said, oh, no problem. Anything else? Yeah, I want this too. There was one job that I went, and they called me for the interview years ago. Based on my experience and the things I had done in the city, we want to steal you from the place where you're at. I said, okay. So hung up. I thought about it. Went, hmm, what do I need? Well, I got three kids. We need a three-bedroom apartment. So I want a three-bedroom apartment paid by them, rent, gas, electricity, telephone, benefits, garage in Midtown. Right? Plus, I want a nice uptick in the salary. So I went there prepared because it was the first time anybody had asked me that. I sat down with them. What do you want? So I want this, 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 and this, and this, and that. Is that all? In my head, I'm thinking, man, <laughs> what in the world? But outside, outside, you know, I'm... <laughs> wow, I blew that one. <laughs> I undershot, you know? Wow. No, but listen. See, this is, this is what people don't understand. Many people don't understand. To a great extent, if you declare that you are this, most people will take you at your word. They'll believe you. But the point is, it's up to us to prove it. See, I had done the corresponding study, preparation, and when I went to the interview, I said, this is what I want. They gave me everything I wanted, Gail. Everything. So then I said, what about the other thing? I should ask about the other thing. I should ask about this and that. I left the meeting. I was like, slow. I said, can I say anything? No, I can't. I can't. Put everything. See, so what's the difference? What's the difference to I'm here to do anything, whatever, to uh, this is the salary I'm demanding? Of course we're going to give you that salary. What's the difference? Hmm? Hmm? value. So let's go back to those hours when I was quietly studying and preparing myself and going back and forth with Gwen. She would ask me the questions for the tests. I was like, come on, Gwen, come on, come on. Give me those tests. And she would give me the question. I would go, okay, it's this and this. And, oh, it's not what, ah, shucks. Go back to the book. All those hours, all those weeks that I studied, all those months, nobody saw that. See? I believed that if I prepared myself, I could be that. It all comes back down. The first thing, you have to see a thing. You have to see it clearly, right? And then you have to have a passion for it because it's not just enough to see it. If you see it and you don't care about it, eh. But if you have a passion for it, to those who believe, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. All things are possible. But that's why we need to exercise our faith. And today, more than ever before, because the greatest thing about our faith 
is it's in Christ that we're saved. Faith in God. Faith in God. So as I'm landing this plane, I'm thinking about the importance of why is it that we're so quick to believe things that are not going to benefit us? Listen, we stake our life on it. We'll fight about it. We'll get offended if anybody touches our sacred cow. You know, our belief systems. No, it can't happen. We can't take that land. The giants are too big for us. And they got angry. And if you read the verses, you realize that they even said that they want to stone Joshua and Caleb. Oh, you're not getting me. There's some mindsets that might be in you right now that you will be willing to fight others about to keep your level. There's some excuses that you have so mastered in your life that if anybody were to challenge them, you would kick them out as a friend. And we would rather keep our excuses and hug them and hold on to them even though God is saying, I have more for you. I can't do that, God. You don't understand. You don't understand where I was born. You don't understand my background. You don't understand the failures I've been through. And God is saying, don't you understand? If you could believe all things are possible, don't you understand I can shift your situation around in a heartbeat? You look at a person like Joseph. God shows Joseph a beautiful vision. And then his life just falls apart. God gives Joseph a beautiful vision. And then suddenly sold into slavery. God gives Joseph a beautiful vision. And then he's in prison. And even in prison, he sees the grace of God, the favor of God. They make him in charge. And he starts prophesying even in the prison. And he sees other people being blessed by his prophecies. And he's still in prison. And yet God had showed him, you're going to be in the ascendancy. There's going to come a point that your own brothers are going to bow to you. Your own family is going to bow to you. And he's looking at his current situation. He says, wow, this does not look like the picture that God has shown me. But the beauty about it is that he was a man of faith. And he believed God. And even though he didn't see the manifestation of it, he still trusted God. And there are conversations in the periphery that he's not aware of, but he trusted God. And one of the conversations was Pharaoh himself was very troubled. And he kept on having these dreams. And he asked all of the soothsayers. He asked all of his prophets, would you translate this or interpret it? We can't. And somebody that, by the way, Joseph had helped. says, you know, there happens to be a guy in a prison that knows how to translate or interpret dreams. He helped me out. So we'll bring him over. Meanwhile, Joseph is being faithful where he's at, not knowing what's going to happen next. One hour before he met Pharaoh, he didn't know what was going on. It was not until he said, get over here, Joseph. We've got to bathe you. You're going to go to the Pharaoh. He wants to talk to you. Wow, just like that, 
God can shift your situation just like that. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he saw the manifestation. I mean, you know the story. From prisoner, he went on to be like secondhand to the president, to the king, to the pharaoh. My God, God can do it just like that. But, see, Joseph warred with the promise. He said, you gave me a promise, Lord. I know there's coming a time. I know who you are. I trust you. I trust you. You're going to make it happen. Worst of circumstances. How many of us are in prison right now? We might not be in a physical prison, but our mindsets, our thoughts might have us in a prison. But today, God wanted to stir up your faith because there's been a, an attack against your faith. You're hearing so many things out there. I mean, it's expert. What the enemy has done in this nation is nothing less than masterful. A masterful destruction of this nation. The Ivy League trained leaders in our government can't get along. And it's mostly based on pride and the eyes being darkened. They can't see. So they're left to what? The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They're fighting with each other. And listen, to listen to them, you would think they know exactly what they're talking about. Then the other side talks, you would think they know what they're talking about. One side criticizes the other, say, oh my God, that's horrible. Then the other side criticizes, oh my God, that's horrible. And it all is. That's our condition without the wisdom of God. That's our condition without faith in God's word. May the Lord help us and open up the eyes of our understanding. Praise God. Will you want to be in that thing? No, I want to get out of that prison. I don't want to be in that prison. I want to be free in my heart, my soul, my mind. I want God to be first in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. Give him, give him some praise. Thank you, Lord. 